So if you've got your Bibles, open them with me. We're in 1 Samuel for one more week before we start a new series. Maybe you saw it on your chairs as you walked in. This is for you to take home. Maybe invite one of your friends or neighbors or family members to come and join us during this series. We're going to talk about what the shepherds were told by the angels as they watched their flocks by night. Anybody remember? It's an oft-preached passage. At Christmas time, the angels appear and they said this, because the shepherds were so freaked out by the appearance of heavenly angels, uh, they start their, their little diatribe, their little conversation with the shepherds with fear not. And so we're going to spend the, uh, the season of Christmas talking about the things that produce fear in us. I was watching a documentary with my bride, uh, Eleanor, uh, about just the increase in anxiety in the world that we live in uh, with the onset of uh, more information. We're inundated with uh, stories that can produce fear. Um, fear has become a greater issue in the human race. Uh, and so it's important for us to know what God has to say about the things that uh, produce fear in us and to know that he can give us courage and strength to face whatever we face. Amen? So that's what we'll talk about as we head towards Christmas. We're going to have a, a Christmas Eve service on Saturday, Christmas Eve, uh, and then we'll spend Christmas at our homes on Sunday, Christmas Day. Uh, but if you're coming to come to church that weekend at 2, 4, and 6 on Christmas Eve, please plan to join us. Bring your friends. We would love to have you as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. But we're going to finish this week, uh, this first portion of the book of First Samuel. Now, we've been studying kind of the origin story of this guy, Sam, who was God's new thing uh, in this period of Israel's history. He was going to replace the old leadership uh, in the Jewish religion, uh, guys by the name of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who had failed in spectacular ways to do the things that God would have them do. If you've been paying attention, you've heard their story. Uh, but Samuel's born uh, in a miraculous way, not unlike the birth that we celebrate at Christmas. A woman was barren and was given uh, the ability by God to bear a son. She dedicated her son, Samuel, to the work of God and, and actually offered him up after weaning him to the temple to be raised by Eli and those who worked on God's behalf uh, in the tabernacle in Shiloh. Um, Samuel grows up to an age where he can actually uh, hear from God and respond to God in prayer, and, and God comes to him in a, in a, in a nighttime scene. Uh, Tom preached this a few weeks ago and, uh, and, and tells Sam, hey, uh, I'm going to make a change, uh, and Eli's going to go. He and his sons, I'm going to judge them. Uh, when Eli hears that Samuel's been talking with God, he wants to know the message, and Samuel doesn't want to give it, right? It's kind of some bad news, Eli. Can we just skip this? And Eli's, nope, you've got to tell me exactly what happened. And so... Uh, uh, Sam gives the news and Eli says, uh, God's will essentially be done. And so last week we got to the actual happenings of God's judgment on the house of Eli and his uh, sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Um, Hophni and Phinehas uh, were part of the, the box team. Uh, if you, you weren't here last week, the Philistines, uh, they get a lot of play in our Old Testaments. Uh, they have this famous tall guy, his name's Goliath, heard about him? He's probably the most famous Philistine, but the Philistines were constantly at war with Israel, and uh, so this was the first time in our Bibles that the Philistines and the Israelites square off, and they square off over here, like I showed you last week, in a place called Ebenezer and uh, Aphek, and, and uh, things don't go well. The initial battle, uh, Israel uh, is, 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 is the loser, and they get back together and they talk about, how did we lose? We never lose. We're the Israelites. God goes and, oh, that's right, God goes and fights with us. We forgot the, uh, the emblem of his presence here on earth. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones went looking for it 40 years ago. Uh, 
But uh, this Ark of the Covenant was an actual wooden box. Think of a kind of a large laundry basket, right? It was three feet by two feet, and, and it was uh, the container for the, the Ten Commandments and some other uh, relics, uh, religious reminders for the Jews of, of God's deliverance of them uh, in the wilderness. And so um, on the top of this box, there was a, a couple angels, and their wings uh, kind of protruded forward and touched uh, basically over the middle of the box. They were called the cherubim. And, and there in the middle of that winged area on the top of the box was the mercy seat of God. It was, it was told to Israel that the very presence of God dwelled there between the wings of those angels. And so uh, anywhere they went, the box went first. Any fight they fought, the box was with them and they went first. And so that's what they figured out. Oh, we forgot the box. How are we supposed to win the war if we forgot the box? Um, somewhere in the story of their history, though, they had forgotten the God of the box and just put the focus on the box itself. Hophni and Phineas show up at the battle carrying the box. What an ironic uh, you know, scene these two religious leaders who were far, far from the heart of God and had worshiped themselves over him uh, were now carrying his box into battle. If you weren't here last week, can you guess how the battle went? Poorly. Israel gets routed. And that's where we pick up in our story here in chapter 4, 1 Samuel, verse 12. It says, a man of Benjamin, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, uh, we're going to meet another man of Benjamin later on as we go through the book of 1 Samuel. His name's Saul. He's the first king of Israel. But this guy, just another guy from that same tribe, he ran from the battle line and he came to Shiloh where Eli was, uh, you know, in charge there at the tabernacle temple, uh, place of worship of God. Uh, his clothes are torn. He's got dirt on his head. He's been running on this same day that the battle was lost for about 20 miles. That's the majority of a marathon. That's how far it was from Ebenezer to Shiloh. And no Twitter back then, <laughs> no uh, you know, phones to kind of check how things are going at the battlefield. Um, if someone was going to you know, know what happened 20 miles from here, someone had to run from that place uh, so that the news could be given. This is the man from Benjamin and his role in our story. When he arrived, verse 13, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching. Kind of a, a funny phrasing there. Uh, we're going to find out in a couple verses that Eli wasn't watching anything. He had poor eyesight, like so poor that he couldn't see anything. Uh, but as was the case in, in ancient cities, uh, the center of, of city life was by the gates. And so Eli probably had like a, can you picture like, you know, a, a lifeguard chair, kind of this higher seat uh, that he would sit on as he sat daily by the gates and, and, and basically oversaw some of the uh, the disputes that would arise in Israel, he was a judge in that sense. He would be a wisdom giver. He just kind of posted up there where everything else was going on you know, outside these city gates. And, and there he was in his normal spot um, watching or waiting. Uh, and it says that his heart trembled for his sons. Is that what it says? That would be our normal expectation of a father, right? His uh, two sons had just walked off into battle carrying the ark of God. And so our first expectation of a human father would be his heart trembled, feared for the lives of his kids. Doesn't say that. It says that his heart trembled for what? The box, the ark of the covenant. As the high priest of Israel, it was uh, in his charge. Uh, they had gone to him to see if they could sign it out for use in this battle. Uh, it was his responsibility for it to continue to be a part of the worship 
of the Jewish faith, and so he was concerned for the box. He was kind of like uh, Cameron on uh, Ferris Bueller. Anybody remember that movie, right? When Ferris wanted to use the Ferrari, the, the analogy breaks down. But you picture what I'm saying, right? It was his responsibility. It was under his authority that this box had been taken away from the, uh, the temple of God, and so uh, he was concerned about its return. It says uh, in the rest of verse 13 that uh, when a man, the man came into the city and told the news Uh, the entire city, upon hearing of this incredible loss, just cried out in anguish. Can you imagine, you know, uh, Eli just not being able to see what's going on, can't see the the torn clothes and the dirty face of the messenger, can't see him at all. All he hears is the reaction to his message. He still doesn't know what's going on, and so he is so eager to find out. And and when Eli heard the sound of the outcry, uh, he started saying, what's going on? That's in the Hebrew. Uh, What is this uproar? Uh, And then the man who had come with the message hurried and uh, came and told Eli. Now, Eli, it says, was 98 years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And he says, uh, the the man comes to him, verse 16, and says to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And you can almost see Eli being like, yeah, 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 skip all that. Just give me the news. I'm listening to everybody freak out in town. What happened? How did it go? my son. And he gives him a bulleted list. He starts generally. It says verse 17 that he who brought the news answered and said, uh, bullet point number one, Israel has fled before the Philistines. Uh, the headline of my story is we lost. Bullet number two, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. We didn't just lose, we got creamed. If you go back in the story of chapter 4, you will see that 30,000 men died in this one battle. That's 30,000 men, 30,000 husbands and fathers who were lost as a result of this um, defeat at the hands of the Philistines. So we lost, we lost big time. Uh, He goes on and he says, your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. So he gets personal. He says, I know you're probably wondering if your boys were numbered among that 30,000. They were. In fact, they were some of the first to go as they entered with the box into battle. And then he finishes with the, click, the clincher. He says, and I know it was under your care. It's your responsibility that the ark of God continues to remain with Israel. But I need to let you know uh, that the ark of God has been captured as well. So 98-year-old Eli, unable to see, hears the story come from the mouth of this messenger, and it tells us what happens next in verse 18. As soon as this man mentioned the capture of the ark of God, Eli, some people think, had a heart attack. Some people think he just had a fainting spell, but whatever the case, Eli falls over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, that big high chair from which he presided over Israel. He falls over there at the gate and his neck is broken and he dies. For the man, it says, was old, 98, and heavy. He was a big dude. He had judged Israel for 40 years. What an uplifting message. Some texts uh, are a little bit easier to preach, certainly are a little bit rosy in their nature, but all of God's word uh, is important, has things to teach us. Sometimes you gotta uh, dig a little bit more in some passages than in others. 
Um, Certainly God's promised judgment of Eli and his sons has come to completion. The boys lost in battle, their father um, dead of a heart attack or a broken neck or both as he hears the news of the Ark of the Covenant of God. Um, uh, We'll talk more about how uh, we need to be careful what we do in this life with our God because there's repercussions that come from uh, dishonoring him. Uh, he's, he won't be played. He's nobody's fool. We'll talk about that a little bit. But the one thing I want to bring out to you is this one particular word in the description of Eli himself. It's one of the only times in our Bibles that an actual physical attribute is listed when it talks about someone uh, that, that we're reading about. Uh, Eli was old. That happens a lot. People are you know, named as young or old. But, but here, he's one of the only people in the Bible who is listed as fat. He's heavy. He's a chunker, a chubbalub. Uh, the word in Hebrew for heavy is chabed. Everybody say chabed. Yeah, you get to spit a little. It's fun. Uh, in the next part of our passage, we're going to see the root word of this word heavy. 